And Jesus said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my Father's house? You may be seated. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Dear Saints, John tells us, in fact, the very last verse of his Gospel, he tells us that if everything that our Lord Jesus did and said were written down, that the whole world couldn't contain all of the books. What we have then in the Gospels, these four short accounts of our Lord's birth and life and death and resurrection, is simply a portion of all the things that our Lord has done and said for us. The very most important things. And these things that are included were selected by none other than the Holy Spirit Himself who inspired the apostles, the evangelists, to write what they did. When we see then that the only text about our Lord Jesus as a boy, and in fact the only text that mentions anything about his life between the time that he was visited by the Magi and his baptism by John in the Jordan River, maybe 30, 28 years later, when the only text that we have that tells us anything about it is the Gospel text that's before us today, then we want to pay careful attention to the teaching and instruction that the Holy Spirit is giving us. For He intends us to notice this and to learn from it. To really... To really understand, though, the action of the text, we have to do a little work. We have to understand the role of the temple in the religious life of Israel at the time of our Lord Jesus. We have to understand its importance and what it was there for and what the Lord was doing with the temple. The temple was the center of, of everything. It was the center of worship. It was the center of life. It was, in fact, the center of the entire universe. Consider this. If you were to go back in time and stand there with the crowds, with Jesus, and ask any Israelite alive at the time this simple question, where is God? Do you know what their answer would be? You, you know how we would answer it. We would say, if I asked you, where is God? We would say what? God is everywhere. He's in every place. He's omnipresent. But if you were to go back and ask the Jew, where is God? He would say, God is in the temple. But wait a minute, you'd say, isn't God everywhere? And they would say, well, sure, God is everywhere, but he's in the temple in Jerusalem. That's where he lives. That's the place that the Lord has written his name. That's the place where his altar is and his priesthood is and his holy place is and his sacrifices are. Remember what happened when Solomon built the temple and consecrated it. 1 Kings 8, verses 10 and 11. And when the priests came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. The same thing had happened years before with the tabernacle. Remember the pillar of Fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day, the presence of the Lord and His glory stood there above the temple and the tabernacle. It was the temple, the earthly dwelling place of the Lord. The importance of this cannot in any way be overstated. 
The temple was the place where God lived with his people, even as our Lord Jesus would call it, the Father's house. The temple is the address of God. And remember why. Remember what happened at the temple. Sacrifices. There were other things happening at the temple also. There was choirs, there was teachers, there was people there offering their prayers. The the temple structure had courtrooms and it had classrooms. It even had, apparently, stock shows and money changers. But the main thing at the temple was the sacrifices, the altar. The sacrificial animals brought to the altar there, killed, their blood drained, sometimes put on the altar, sometimes brought into the holy place. And the animal or part of the animal burned as a holy aroma to rise before the Lord. There would have been massive numbers of sacrificed animals on a daily basis. I was trying to track down the number and couldn't find it. If any of you come across this, I'm I'm particularly interested. But you at least had the morning sacrifice, the evening sacrifice, and all of the sacrifices that the people would bring daily, uh, atoning sacrifices, thanksgiving sacrifices, uh, trespass offerings, and all of this. There there would have been uh, an incredible flow of animals into the temple and smoke and blood out of the temple. This was the chief business. And when we think of this, I mean, when we think of the temple and we start to realize what was happening there, when we, for example, imagine the picture of it in our mind and and try to, have you tried this, to think of what it would have smelled like for all of this animal blood and all of these sacrifices. It would have been something between, a, I think, a slaughterhouse and a barbecue restaurant. <laughs> And we start to realize what was going on in the temple. We have to ask ourselves, what was, what are we to make of this? What are we to make of the sacrifices and the priesthood and all of the minute details of the different types of offerings that seem laborious to us, tedious even to read, if, if not uh, much more so to carry out? And, and what are we to think of it when we read in the Old Testament that the slightest deviation from the Lord's instruction on these prescribed sacrifices would mean punishment straight from the Lord's hand. It is most important to know that the sacrifices in the temple, in fact, the temple and everything in the temple was instituted by God to be a comfort to his people. This is very often difficult for us to see. I I think, again, if I were to ask you the question, are the sacrifices of the Old Testament law or gospel? Most of us would probably say law. uh, Again, it seems kind of tedious and laborious, all the Lord's instructions for these sacrifices. But the sacrifices were, in fact, gospel. A constant preaching of the Lord's mercy. And it worked out like this. When the Israelite looked at the altar, at the animal whose blood is being poured out and whose body is being burned, they were to think this, that should be me. That should be my blood being poured out onto the ground. That should be my body being eaten up by the flames and going up in smoke. That should be me Suffering God's wrath. But the Lord is pleased to accept the death of another in my place. That, that's the preaching and the teaching of the sacrifice of the temple. And indeed, the Israelites knew 
if they had their doctrine right, that the sacrifice was pointing to an even greater sacrifice to come. That God would have himself a body and would be himself the sacrifice for my sin. Now, when we understand it this way, it seems now an easier question to answer. Are the sacrifices law or gospel? It's like asking if the cross is law or gospel. Indeed, the sacrifices and the cross are law insofar as they show the wrath of God against sin. But it is chiefly the gospel, the glorious, comforting gospel, because that wrath of God against sin is not being poured out on me, but on someone else. These sacrifices, then, are the key. They are the, uh, the understanding that they are gospel is the key. It's why, it's why the temple can be the Lord's house. It's why His glory can dwell there in the midst of the people. Remember that the raw presence of God is dangerous. He is a consuming fire. God is so holy that to take our unholiness into His presence is actually a dangerous thing. Remember the Lord warned Moses, Exodus 33, verse 20. You cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. The, the presence of the Lord, apart from His promise of mercy and forgiveness, is a dangerous thing. For the Lord Jesus, or for the Lord Himself to be with us, He has to first make us holy. He has to make us worthy to stand before Him. He has to fit us and equip us for His presence. And that is accomplished by nothing else than faith in the sacrificial blood, in the blood of Jesus. And the temple in the Old Testament is the place that that promise is given out. So the theology of the temple. And it's to this temple that our Lord Jesus goes. For He must be in His Father's house and he must be about his father's business. And that business, dear saints, is nothing other than the shedding of blood and the forgiving of sin. But imagine this. And this is really the epiphany wonder of the text. For everyone else was to learn at the temple that their sins are forgiven. While our Lord Jesus is learning at the temple that he would be the one to forgive. The one who would win the forgiveness of the sins of the world. Think about it. If you or I would have gone to the temple, we, have, we would have learned that the lamb sacrificed on the altar took away our sin. But Jesus there at the temple is learning that he is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If you or I were at the temple, we would learn that the wrath of God that burns hot against our sin is poured out on the altar. But Jesus is learning that the wrath of God, which He neither earned or deserved, would be poured out on Him. That He would be getting what He never deserved so that we could have what we never deserved. If we were at the temple, we would learn that instead of death, the Heavenly Father mercifully gives us life. But Jesus is learning that instead of life that He has earned, the Heavenly Father will hand Him over to death, to suffering and to dying on the cross through no fault of His own. 
He is learning through the sacrifices, through the temple, and through the prophets that he must be falsely arrested, falsely accused, falsely mocked and tried and executed on another's behalf, on your behalf. Jesus is there as a boy at the temple, learning the Father's business, learning the family trade, that is, the trade of saving sinners, of declaring people holy, of dwelling with sinners to bless them and to give them eternal life. And, dear saints, we have the marvelous comfort that Jesus learns this lesson well. For Jesus, our Jesus, did accomplish for you all that the temple promised. He is the sacrifice to take away the sin of the world, even your sin. Because of his death, you will live forever in the love and the smile and the mercy of God. This is the joy of knowing our Lord Jesus is in the temple. May God grant it to us that we would have great comfort and great joy as we meditate today and always on the very first recorded words of our Lord. Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my Father's house? Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.